Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of the Muslim Vibe podcast. Ramadan Kareem to you and your family. May this special month bring ample and endless blessings to you and your loved ones, inshallah. Uh, today we're going to be speaking about financial management so obviously you're probably aware that we've got a little bit of an inflation and financial crisis bubbling away in the back um, things are getting a lot more expensive uh, money is going uh, less further so i reached out to uh, ibrahim from islamic finance guru who provide you know amazing insight and expert advice on personal and islamic finance management so we look at some and we discuss some uh, practical ways uh, Muslims can kind of save money and, and manage their finances during this time, uh, especially in Ramadan. And um, we also speak about the very important topic of giving zakat and our relationship with zakat and how um, essentially it's possible that Muslims are giving zakat in the wrong way. And I'm just going to leave it at that because um, Ibrahim opens my eyes up to um, some significant problems uh, in terms of the way Muslims are going about giving charity at the moment uh, but also uh, sheds light on solutions to improving how we can give our zakat in a way that has maximum impact for us as an ummah. So without further ado, let's jump straight into this podcast with Ibrahim. Assalamu alaikum Ibrahim, how are you my friend? Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, great to see you again Hasib. Good to see you too, and Ramadan Kareem to you and your family, inshallah. Uh, Ramadan Kareem to you as well. We actually did a TikTok uh, today where there's a war between those who say Ramadan Kareem and those who say Ramadan Mubarak. At the end, there's, they a, come up with there's a, another war. There's another war, actually. The spelling oh, of Ramadan. Oh, Ramadan, Ramazan. No, so there's Ramadan, D-H, yeah. and then there's Ramadan, D-A-N. Ah, but the, you know yeah. there's another one that's in Pakistan, they really like Ramzan. Oh, Ramzan, straight up Ramzan, yeah. They don't like, you know, they, they feel like it's very Arabicizing if you say the, the D. Mm -hmm. So there's that war as well. <laughs> Interesting. And then there's a moon war, there's a moon war as well. That's 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 an eternal war though, that's like, that will never end. <laughs> as long as the moon is spinning, where that, that one will continue. Um. Ibrahim, uh, thank you for taking the time um, uh, for this podcast. We really do appreciate it. Now, obviously, we're living in slightly financial turbulent times um, around the world. Um, there's, you know, inflation where, you know, the, the global economies are kind of reeling from a pandemic and a slowdown in production and output. Now we've got this war in Ukraine. Um, and a lot of people are having to kind of uh, recalculate, let's say, their finances. And Ramadan is an interesting time uh, for a lot of Muslim families because I think, generally speaking, um, even though we're technically eating less in the day, our spending on what we do eat for iftar and suhoor kind of goes up. You know, we're inviting families over, we're inviting friends over. So that obviously comes with a little bit of a cost. And it's my suspicion that there's probably a lot of families um, and a lot of people listening to this um, slightly worried about you know their, their financial kind of positions and stuff, and I thought it'd be good to have you uh, join us today and talk about you know how Muslims can uh, navigate these turbulent times. What are some of the practical solutions for them uh, during this, um, especially especially during Ramadan and of course Eid as well, another time where 
you know, the uncles and the fathers get rinsed for ED money. Um, and they, they might not have it this year. Um, so, so yeah, I just wanted to, to ask you that question really. Like what are some of the, the practical ways yeah. Muslims can navigate this, uh, financial turbulence? Yeah. I think the first thing to say is this is, you know, these are almost, you know, unprecedented times in the level of inflation that we're seeing like five six seven percent that means that you know if you just leave 100 quid in your bank that's going to be worth 93 quid after a year which is mad right uh, because mm -hmm. to kind of counteract that you would need to find a home for it that is you know tr going to try and make you some money and not lose money at the same time which is actually a lot harder um than, than it was before uh, and even like people like martin lewis that you know the famous money expert in the uk mm -hmm. he basically threw up his hands a few weeks ago a few days ago where he said that look this is at this point i'm kind of i i am out of tips and deals this is something for the government to deal with um mm. so that's just like a big caveat um but i think there are ways that we can we can do stuff the, the first and obvious the most important way is uh turning to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and asking him for help. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, Whoever has taqwa, uh, God, you know, is, is God-fearing, um, that he will set for him a way out, and he will give him sustenance, from where he didn't even expect it. Um, and he says in the Quran, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, that uh, Nuh alayhi salam, he says to his people, that I said to them, um, do, um, you know, repentance to your Lord, do istighfar, do repentance. He will essentially, you know, you ask for forgiveness and then God will not only forgive you, he will help you with rains from the sky, which is, you know, in their language, that is money literally like raining mm. down uh, and, you know, with children, wealth, uh, you know, all sorts of things. So there's, there's, you know, really direct things that we can take away from that, you know, istighfar, taqwa, you know, zakat. Zakat is this concept of, uh, you know, it, it, the word itself means purification and growth, right? So it's not just, you know, it's that 2.5% is actually enabling that 97.5% uh, that mm. you're leaving behind. And then I guess the more uh, practical or mundane uh, things that we can think about are firstly, make sure that you are, um, uh, you are taking advantage of every uh, support that you're eligible for. That could be, you know, tax breaks, that could be social security, that could be, you know, automatic child benefits that you're supposed to get, um, all of those things. Um, and then, uh, you know, make sure that you are, uh, you know, from a from an income and expenditure perspective, the, the key, you know, thing that you really want to achieve is having more money coming in than money going out like that's in a nutshell that's personal finance so the only way that you can solve that problem if you're currently in negative is either increase your income or decrease your expenditure and you know in every person's circumstances they can make their own mind up on what is easier to do um, but for some people it might be easier to do side hustles or additional hours to increase that income but they can't decrease the expenditure but for other people they might be like okay well actually you know 
a lot of the things that we're buying, a lot of the things we're, um, you know, we think that we might need, we actually don't need, um, and they can cut down significantly on the expenditure side. So yeah, those would be like really high level tips that I would say, you know, can make a big difference this Ramadan. A lot of families, uh, like I mentioned, um, they will probably not want to um, reduce their spending this Ramadan, right? Like as in they used to a certain standard of, for example, inviting guests and meal preparations and all this kind of stuff, there's expectations, right? Um, how, how can we kind of like, um, how, how, do we, how do you think we should adjust our attitude towards spending when it comes to Ramadan from a more kind of, you know, from a more, more deeper perspective? Yeah, uh, so I, I think firstly, there should be, um, you know, no shame in buying things in bulk uh, and, you know, buying, let's say, the, the slightly cheaper item, right? So, you know, in our, in the UK, you've got Tesco and I don't know what the equivalent is in the US, let's say, um, Target. what's the big one? Target. Uh, mm. Or what's the massive one? beginning with w walmart uh, walmart that's it yeah so yeah. Is, is do you have the same thing where you know on the elite or the most expensive honey is at the top shelf easy to reach yeah yeah and then right at the bottom is the same thing but you know a lot lower quality in like walmart brand. On brand. Yeah, yeah 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 so you don't you don't necessarily have to like you know get onto all fours to get to that bottom bit but if you decide consciously that actually I, I do i need the manuka honey from new zealand or could i settle for you know the premium walmart brand instead mm. Uh, mm. and don't, don't go for the basic if you don't need to but like you know this, you know so that those are the kind of compromises that i think is useful to make then the other thing is um that you know you should uh, feeling the pinch is actually you know quite a healthy thing from an Islamic perspective. You know, we've got those famous ahadith and stories in our tradition about, uh, I think it's Talha radiallahu anh, I might be getting the name wrong, who fed that guest who came to his house and his children and he went, you know, uh, without food that evening and they put out the light so the guests couldn't see that they were not eating anything. Uh, you know, and the Prophet, he, you know, he acknowledged that. You know, he said the angels, you know, told me about this. Um, and if, you know, so, so to some extent in Islam, there is a celebration of, you know, being able to push ourselves to the, to the, to the point where we are feeling the pinch. There is another verse in the Quran that talks about how, um, that they will prefer or give give you the thing or they will donate to you even though they might be struggling themselves um, mm. so there's you know these are very strong themes throughout our religion um, so you know you, you of course we should try and mitigate and try and you know improve our circumstance but at the same time you know this you know it's, it's a test sometimes as well and you, you can you can either make lemons with lemonade or uh, lemons with lemons or, le or lemonade with lemons right so um, there's that aspect to it as well. Um, you mentioned earlier about zakat um, as a way of um, essentially enabling, you know, the, the ninety-seven point five percent of of your of your income and, and your wealth and stuff. 
Um, and I know that recently um, Islamic Finance Guru has published um, not a report, but more of a guide um, in terms of like uh, how we kind of uh, change our approach to giving zakat. Um, do you mind kind of uh, introducing that to, to the listeners a little bit? So like what, what the kind of uh, purpose was behind that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my long-term thinking around uh, charity, zakat and sadaqah in the Muslim community is that we give it without much thought about exactly where it should be going and where it can have the most um, bang for its buck. You know, to put put it another way, in the UK, we're going to probably give over 150 million pounds in donations. And I suspect the number is probably about the same, if not a bit more, in the USA um, in Ramadan. Now, imagine if I, if I just gave to someone, I said, look, this is the Ummah's trust fund. Uh, it's worth 150 million pounds. Off you go and invest it. Do it in the next month. And this fella, he goes off and he switches on some TV channels. He's like, oh, okay, that sounds interesting. Let me give away 10 million to that. Um, he goes to the local masjid and someone pitches him after the thing. He's like, okay, 10 million there. Uh, and slowly but surely, through you know, he sees an advert on the Muslim Vibe or you know some other channel, and he's like, okay, that's interesting. Um, and and then you know through that entire process. He has given away the entire thing, but without, but the 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 thing that he has um, used to determine his choice is essentially just whatever pops up in front of him, you know, advertising uh, or like an emotional appeal, and that's it. And I'm not saying any of those things are bad or that it should not be done. There's a place for all of those things. However, you know, I think. We can all see that if you are giving 150 million pounds, 100% of your of that money, just based on emotion, we've got a problem here. Because you know, uh, you know, if you think about uh, there's there's a whole bunch of academic research around this uh, book called Doing Good Better, uh, which I highly recommend. And in it, this professor he he goes through uh, you know to an example of uh, education, uh, you know, trying to increase school years for uh, kids in a certain part of Africa, and you know, giving them money actually increases the school years by 0.2 years per girl for every $1,000 that is given. However, mm -hmm. that same $1,000, if you put it into, and it goes through a series of different, you know, things that you can put money into, the one that came out massively ahead was deworming. So if you just deworm, spend $1,000 deworming girls, that actually ends up uh, increasing the, the years of uh, the schooling to 139. Um, so it's in t compared to the worst outcome, it was actually a 700x better outcome. So you know what we don't realize as donors is that, sure, the two charities, one doing deworming and the other one doing, you know, just money to the uh, to the girls, they will look very similar. In fact, the deworming one will often look worse because it's like, well, mm. hang on, why am I giving to deworming? But actually, mm. the real impact is massively on that oh, side. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, what we are doing here is uh, we've taken the first very small baby step in putting a list together of 20 high-impact NGOs and charities uh, focused on the UK, uh, where there's a mixture of international aid charities, local aid charities, and then also strategic, you know, local uh, organizations. 
And the thinking is that we've put together th four different portfolios that depending on who you want to give to, you can choose between them. And we've uh, asked all of the uh, organizations questions and we've dug into their financials and shared those as well and we've given our you know high level thoughts as well and we've done some background checks and you know uh, we've put together the guide for people to look at and uh, in the guide then links to our zakat calculator where we don't charge any admin fees or anything like that the idea is that if you want to, you don't have to, you can use the calculator to actually just give directly to those portfolios without having to construct them yourself. Um, and what we want to really achieve from this is two things. The first is we just want it to be the first baby step for our community to start thinking about giving in a lot more of a thoughtful way. Um, mm. And the second thing I would like it to be is for charities to start thinking about how we can move our projects from these kind of like, you know, finger in the air, this this is quite nice, or, you know, the, the next disaster, okay, we need to go and sort that out, to let's take a step back and actually think, all right, what will benefit our ummah the most, or what will achieve our goals of, you know, eradicating educa you know, education uh, deficit or poverty the most in the next five, 10 years? and then deploying to that and being a bit more mm. freed up. And mm. it's a two-way street, right? For charities, they can't do that unless we as donors change our minds. And we don't change our minds unless the charities give us something different. So it's a very, you know, you kind of have to nudge them both along at the same pace. And I think that's actually where, like, the, the, the latter part is where the problem lies, right? Like, is in what tugs our heartstrings to part with our money. And... Um, having having done marketing and worked for various like uh, Muslim charities um, around the world, um, I've seen consistently like the 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 copy and the image and the advert that people will click on to donate is always going to be one of a distressed child, right? And saying, "Hey, feed this hungry child." And I remember one one time, and it, it was so frustrating. Like we, uh, for one of the uh, organizations I was part of, uh, called Who Is the Sane. We thought, hey, it would be a really nice gesture to um, help these. It was, it was to build a library, um, I think in India or Africa, one of those two countries, or maybe even both, actually. Um, and we had partnered with another charity, all right? Uh, I think the charity may have been Girls Who Read or something like this. And, like, that campaign tanked so bad um, because it just shows that people were not interested in, in something like that. Whereas if you had given them, Hey, here's an orphan child who needs a heart replacement that, you know, will raise more than the child even needs to be able to get that operation. Um, what is it about that mindset? What, what do you think causes that? And how do you think we can kind of free ourselves? Cause I, my suspicion is that charities would be open to these more meaningful projects, but they're, they're yeah. scared of moving because, well, we're not going to get the donation if we do that. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and you're not the only one who said that. Uh, I was talk. I've talked to a number of charities, some of the largest ones in the world, and um, you know some of the more local ones, and they all say the same thing that we've tried th something like this, and we've found that you know the uptake is minimal. Uh, and I've actually done a YouTube video, funnily enough, on this uh, that I released a few days ago, around you know why do, why are we psychologically or mentally programmed to give to the wrong areas, um, mm. quote unquote. And uh, we talk, I talked to a psychiatrist on this as well. And he, um, and he was making the point that 
you know, we've got this concept of fast thinking and slow thinking. Fast thinking is a lot more emotional, hot thinking, and uh, slow thinking is a lot more rational, considered thinking. And what we find is that when when it comes to charity, it's a very emotional, fast mm. thinking, you know, whatever pops up is like very visceral, um, you know, visual kind of uh, stimuli. And we give on the basis of that. And, uh, and and the and the problem is that you know we don't we don't look at the rational arguments at all. So how do we change that? So I think that there's there's a few ways. The first is that I I think charities could do better um, if they really set their mind to it in selling that library or selling that long term project that is perhaps not as you know sexy as you know the other kind of uh, you know projects out there and. And you know, you perhaps the way to do it is showing the the long term or the the contrast between that and other other kind of areas. So, and I know that's it's not an easy sell, but you know, I think mm. charities should still try. Uh, I think the second thing is we as donors um, should become a lot more educated and thoughtful about what we do. Uh, the third thing is uh, we as donors, I think, should um, almost you know, control ourselves so that when we are put in a position of just giving on emotions, we, we can take a step back. So my myself personally, the way I'm going to approach it this Ramadan is I'm going to give the bulk of my zakat to one of the portfolios on our calculate on our zakat calculator. And then I will keep, you know, a small portion that I will, you know, donate as and when, you know, something comes up and, you know, as I feel moved to do that, because, mm -hmm. you know, what I don't want to do is like, what I don't want to say is, guys, I want you to become robots and I want you to be like rational beings and charity is all about science and numbers and, and that's it. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that charity and Zagat and Sadaka are very personal things as well. Mm -hmm. And there is that emotional connection that you should have. And, and that's great. But there needs to be that rational perspective as well. And actually, that is the Islamic way. That's not me saying that. If you look at the big uh, donations that were made in the times of the Prophet, uh, the famous ones are Uthman ibn Affan, عنه, and Abdurrahman ibn Awf, the, the two particularly wealthy Sahaba. When they gave donations and they were celebrated for it, it was often because, you know, he bought a well that the Muslims needed very strategically at the time, or he helped build the masjid, or he helped um, fund a expedition, a defensive or, you know, some kind of expedition that Muslims mm -hmm. needed to survive. Um, uh, or, and, you know, the Uthman ibn Affan uh, waqf, the trust fund, is the oldest waqf that is still running in, in Makkah. So... The point I'm making is that the things that we, um, that even in the times of the Sahaba were celebrated, were not uh, emergency mm. aid kind of mm. things. They were long-term projects. Um, so it, it, what I'm saying is intrinsically Islamic as well. Yeah, and I almost feel like, just to add to that, I feel like the, the kind of whole thing of supporting um, people who are poor, orphans, uh, widows and stuff like that, that's like... That's almost the part that shouldn't be calculated. That's almost like kind of organic, right? Like you walk past someone who needs help, you, you give that help, you know? Um, but whereas it's if when we need to make a more calculated decision for like the bigger donations, like for example, you know, 2.5% of our annual income and stuff like that, then then at that point, it probably does make sense to be a little bit more strategic. Like you just mentioned how you're going to 
um, be dividing your things. Do you think that there's a change between generations? Do you feel like young, you know, new, you know, millennial Muslims that are now in positions of, of having like decent salaries and stuff like that? Do you think the mindset has changed and that millennials are more open to giving towards like more long-term impact projects? I think so. Uh, I think so for sure. Uh, I I also think, you know, sli- slightly to our detriment that we are not as probably as generous as our parents and as our previous generations, uh, as our older generations. And that's something for us to, I guess, reflect on, and uh, I think be a lot more giving. I think we're 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 much more automatically, you know, rational, and we can kind of rationalise away why we shouldn't give. And I guess because we're living in an age that's far more digital, and you know, COVID hasn't necessarily helped, right? Because if if you're a twenty-year-old, uh, about you know, at least ten, possibly fifteen percent of your life has been in isolation, which is a decent chunk of your life um, mm. and and the younger you are the bigger the percentage is so you know because of that I think we uh, we perhaps aren't as you know empathetic as uh, as perhaps we we could be um, but I think overall um, I think apart from that aspect um, which I think we can work on I think we are much more switched on to uh, you know, data. Like we're we're a data-driven uh, generation, and that is obviously great for the the kind of message that I'm talking about, which is ultimately, you know, if you look at the data, that's what it tells you. Um, so I think I think there is hope. Yeah, no, for sure. Like you know, if, even with myself, like I think um, I, I was listening to a TED talk um, similar to the thing that you're mentioning about how how we can do good better, right? Um, but it's like once the I think once the facts are presented, you know, um, then I think people are naturally going to make the more wiser decision. I think that, of course, as as donors, we need to have a little bit of mindset shift. But I think perhaps Islamic charities need to do better at presenting an argument for these longer impact projects. Um, tell me some of the projects that you've highlighted in these uh, uh, different uh, portfolios, as you've called it. Yeah, so in the um, in the international aid ones, I've um, opted for some of the larger uh, charities um, because you know the the thinking is there that with international aid you need scale, and for scale you need um, you know large large checks and size, and ideally working with you know NG, large NGOs, the UN government bodies, and so organisations like um, Islamic Relief, Muslim Hands, Muslim Aid feature um, feature in that, and then uh, you have local aid organisations. Actually, in the international aid, there's also the Zahra Trust um, because we you know we're not. Uh, uh, partisan in the sense that we you know we want to kind of go for the Sunni or Shia charities on their own um, and uh, within the local aid organizations we've got the big one for UK's NZF 
so you know very much focused on aid poverty relief but in the local areas mm. uh, but then um, you know within that we also have some uh, poverty relief for reverts so there's a very specific charity that works with reverts particularly women uh, female reverts and uh, and helps them out called solace which uh, which is in there and um, and then more widely than that we have uh, impact and you know strategic local ngos so things like uh, cage would be in there mm or um uh, the muslim council of britain mcb mm, you know these organizations yeah. are you know they just they don't really figure they don't compute in in our donations but actually you know it's bonkers i think with the mcb that they are doing the same work that the the board of deputies is doing for the jewish community and uh, you know the various different you know the various different uh, christian alternate equivalents and these guys ha have funding in the in the to the tune of millions and yet the mcb is scrambling around for a few hundred thousand pounds it's, and it doesn't honestly, have that that yeah. hurts me so much that part there is is literally like you've you've, you've kind of uh, touched a, a very sensitive point because having worked with muslim council of britain and knowing what they're trying to achieve right and 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 what's the biggest struggle that they have at a time where like muslims <laughs> regardless of background or where you are in the UK are up against it the one organization um that is like at the forefront of uh, relaying what we need to to the government and and uh, various other um bodies is underfunded it's just it's just not it's just not acceptable it's just really it's it's so bad um over here um you probably know that there's a charity um similar to to the MCB called care uh, C A I R um, and Hamla, they seem to be well funded, um, and and they're on it. Like I, I don't know if you've seen politically, like they're completely on it. Like if like a local news anchor says something mildly Islamophobic, they're all over it. Like that, they'll take that person to court uh, because they've got like these local divisions of lawyers, basically. Um, no, so I'm, I'm I'm really glad actually that you mentioned um, these four divisions, um, and I think one of the things that's also struck me, um, I think like in my early twenties, I was like. There's so much poverty locally um, yeah. in the UK. Um, but, you know, like a Muslim charity doing work in the UK or locally, just it was unheard of for a long, long time. And I know the National Zakat Foundation actually um, changed a lot of that. And I, I know Penny Appeal was doing a lot of work as well, locally as well. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Like, is in the importance of, of giving more locally? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's an inherently Islamic uh, thing. You know the, um, the there's a hadith about uh, how rahimuna yarhamuhum rahman man fil man fil sama that the merciful ones rahimuna yarhamuhum rahman the mercy for for the merciful ones the merciful the merciful Allah um, will um, uh, uh, will will show mercy to you. Uh, if show mercy to those on this world, on the earth, and the one in the sky will have mercy upon you. And 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 you know, with with rahma, uh, there's this con you know, the word rahma uh, comes from the root word of womb, rahim, and there there's these kind of concentric circles of mercy that it gives off um you know as part of the meaning and you know the first thing that you want to have rahma for is yourself and protecting yourself 
and then the second thing is your family and your close relatives and then after you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran anfusakum wa ahlikum nara says protect yourself and then your your family uh, from the fire um, and then after that you know we've got the prophetic example which is he came as a rahmah as a mercy for lil alameen rahmatul lil alameen and and so you see how you know the pinnacle is of course you go for as broad a spectrum as possible but you can't do that until you haven't got the the base down and um i was actually literally on a webinar with um sheikh suhail hanif the new ceo of nzf and he was um you know talking about how in islam if you have someone who is you know possibly you know starving and struggling a lot and needs your money but then you also have someone who is also struggling but is perhaps not as bad but he also happens to be your brother then you have a greater right to you know obligation to give to your brother than you would to other people so mm-hmm. you know from a from a perspective of local giving um it's it's a it's an inherently islamic thing to do and um you know we uh we, i think we've missed the wood for the trees uh in that respect because there are so many people who are genuinely in need and and need our help in the uk and the people in you know the philippines or malaysia or pakistan or you know uh in nigeria are not going to be able to help these guys in the uk that's on us that's that's mm. the only people that they can turn mm. to and yeah. if we don't do that then that's on us and, and it's our obligation to do that so um yeah i think it's really important that we and i'm not saying don't give up abroad but i think a much larger chunk should be going locally i really appreciate the work that you're doing and the effort that you're putting into helping the muslim community uh reconfigure its thinking about this because like and it's not going to be an overnight thing and i'm sure you know that you know it's just not just going to take this ramadan to have it all sorted out it's going to probably be a process of, of five ten years inshallah to to shift that mindset uh but i think with persistent effort inshallah we'll definitely get there and i think like you know i can speak for myself my generation i feel like we are definitely open to changing things up i think we you know you were mentioning earlier for example that millennials may be giving less it's probably because we're skeptical of where the money is going, right? It's we're probably skeptical of the impact that it's having because uh, we're a skeptical generation. Um, but I think if that, you know, with, with transparency, with, with clear communication, um, you know, I think it's definitely something that our generation will, uh, will be happy to kind of make the transition on, inshallah. Um, I wanted to, because um, we were talking about like this concept of giving and, um, essentially like being conscious of, of where we're giving. Right. And in the last like five years, and, and I'm, you know, I appreciate the work of everyone, but there has been this kind of rise of automated giving. Um, and, you know, kudos to, to the, to the brothers that have like been behind pioneering, pioneering like certain apps and websites that have been quite like phenomenal to even just see like the, the rise of, right. Um, but, it's kind of become a bit, for me, disconnected. Um, it's already bad enough for me, like when you give charity like online and it's just like you're just doing it with a screen and it's not really a, another human being that you're actually exchanging like cash to or like food to. Um, but then there's this idea of like, you're not even awake and, and, and 
money's left your account and supposedly you've given charity. Now, of, of course, I believe that they would, Allah would uh, reward that uh, act in itself um, because the transaction has taken place and there was an in- initial intention. But do you think that perhaps we've kind of gone a bit too far with this? And, and, and how, how do you perceive all of that? A very good question. Uh, honestly, I, I don't know if I have fully formed thoughts on it. Um, I I agree with everything that you've said. I I accept that from an Islamic perspective, you will still get the reward for it. And you know, it's you know, as long as your intention is pure and you know you get the timing right, it's all good. But you know, the there is a certain something that is missing. Um, because of that automation aspect where you've got this digital uh, layer between you and your action now whether or not that's um you know that's a fair thing for us to complain about or not i, I don't know i need to i need to think about it a little bit more um and i'm trying to think you know in the quran and the hadith about um you know the proximity of an action as opposed to, uh, you know, trying to delegate it or automate it, you know, perhaps, you know, examples like the Prophet ﷺ rolling up his sleeves and uh, getting stuck into the digging of the trench might be relevant. Or uh, I believe it was Ali radiallahu anhu who, um, you know, was uh, who, who kind of charged uh, during the Battle of Khaybar from from memory. Um, or Mari, um, Maryam when she was, um, you know, giving birth to Isa alayhi salam, and Allah subhanahu wa taala said, "Fanada hamin tahtiya la tahzani kajala rabu tahtiya kathariya, wa huzi ilayki bijizda in nakhlati tusaqda alayki ruta banjaniya." So Allah subhanahu wa taala he says that you know she was crying and um, she was saying that I wish I was dead, and then a voice came and said, um, "Don't be sad." Uh, you know, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will look after you, and he'll, He's made. You know, He's going to give you stuff, and then, uh, uh, and then He there's a command that says, you know, grab this date palm, and then shake it, and the dates will fall down from it for you. Now, if you've ever seen a date palm, there ain't no way if you you know grab a date palm by the trunk, especially mm-hmm. if you're giving birth and shake it, that any dates are going to be falling down, um, and yet there was still that command to do an action. Uh, and that you know that there's that very physical like mm. human connection between you as in your hand and the object um and then with musa salam, when uh, he got to the point of the red sea and the you know the pharaoh's army was coming behind him um and the uh, you know qala ashab musa inna lamudrakun the people of musa said oh no we've been found we, you know this is it uh and um and then musa salam said uh that قَالَ كَلَّا إِنَّ مَعِيَ رَبِّي سَيَهْدِينَ uh, Musa said, no, uh, I've got my Lord with me and he's going to guide me. Uh, uh, and then Musa was inspired to hit the, the sea with his staff. Like if you think about it, that piece of wood didn't really split the sea. That was Allah mm. Taala. Like if, if I did it, it would just create splashes. Um, mm. But again, there's this like, kind of connection of action with the physical world which then kind of materializes. Now, I'm aware that, you know, I'm kind of making this argument. It could be, you know, someone else could say, actually, you know, the action is just the automation aspect. And 
and, and you know, it's all everything else follows from that. Uh, mm. So all of the points I've made apply to that. I don't know is the honest answer, but I, I, I feel what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't want to kind of make uh, like a conclusion or a judgment to say it's right or wrong. I, I think it's, it's, it's more d- complex than that. Um, my my only thing is is that, like you mentioned, right, like the, the, the physical act itself, you know, like there's a um, ayah in the Quran, I believe Allah says like, you know, um, uh, you will not attain righteousness until you give from that which you love, right? Like as yeah. In, yeah, yeah, there's yeah, this yeah. element of like sacrifice, mm. this element of losing something, whether it's your time, whether it's like, you know, like even exhausting a little bit of physical energy, like a small amount of physical energy, you know, like I'm talking about just like something, right? Like we, like mm. you just explained. Um, and that's when the, the kind of blessings and, and love from Allah comes to us. Um, and, you know, we can argue that the initial setup of these automations is that part. Um, but, you know, my only concern is if we're switched off from our charity giving, it's like how much, how, how much, spiritual energy are we applying to the act of charity right and then hmm. you know that can lead to other things as well um so i thought i'd just kind of raise that for you as, as a little bit of a wild card question um <laughs> but I, saw, I saw a tweet I, saw, I think i saw a tweet yesterday and i was like you know what like that's a very interesting um it's an interesting new modern phenomena problem like yeah, again yeah, it's yeah. not right or wrong but it's just very interesting to, to see that because it's, it's new it's all relatively new um we live in bizarre weird times in the future maybe we'll be giving charity via nfts without even knowing um ibrahim uh thank you so much for your time i know it's late in the uk um so i'm gonna let you go uh but i really do appreciate all the kind of advice that you've shared with us uh both in terms of how we can kind of manage our finances this ramadan during a time of inflation uh, but more particularly for the work that you're doing and the islamic finance guru is doing uh trying to change our uh, relationship with zakat um, how can people get involved? Where can they find out more about this uh, campaign slash guide that you've put together? Uh, just go on islamicfinanceguru.com and it's you know on the the homepage uh, where you can you can uh, check out the link and it'll take you to the charity guide and the cigar calculator and um, yeah you can you can get stuck in there. Um, you can also uh, subscribe to the the wider mailing list. Um, so that you're in the loop on the various different things that we get up to. Uh, we're on YouTube, TikTok, the usual, uh, you know, the usual. You're killing places. it on YouTube, man. <laughs> I've been, I've been seeing the YouTube views, mashallah, doing well there. <laughs> yeah, alhamdulillah, we're heading in the right direction. Alhamdulillah, good to hear it, good to hear it, Ibrahim. Uh, we'll definitely speak again soon, inshallah. Uh, hope you and your family have a wonderful Ramadan. And um, yeah, we'll speak soon. Assalamu alaikum. So guys, that was our conversation with Ibrahim Khan from Islamic Finance Guru. Um, I worked with them uh, a while back actually and, and seeing how Islamic Finance Guru has mashallah grown, um, you know, it's, it's been a fascinating kind of uh, experience for me as from someone witnessing it afar. Mashallah, they're doing phenomenal work really uh, to help the Muslim Ummah uh, resolve um, like financial issues and that's not typically something you would think of for like an islamic organization uh, to be like focused on uh, but i think it's refreshing and i think it's much needed because uh, muslims can influence a lot and change a lot of their own uh, problems uh, if we kind of just uh, very slightly i guess uh, adapt 
and, and, and kind of rework the way we think about finance. So shout out to Islamic Finance Guru. I'm going to leave a link for the stuff we discussed in the podcast episode in the comments below, in the description below. If you enjoy this podcast, which I hope you did, then please leave five stars and leave some feedback for us. Uh, it's always great to see comments from our listeners. And uh, yeah, if you've got any questions or if you need any sort of like uh, support with any of this stuff, again, just drop a comment. Uh, maybe we can reach out to Islamic Finance Guru, maybe follow them on uh, their social medias as well. And they'll always be happy to, to help where possible. Um, and that's it from me, guys. Uh, in the next episode, inshallah, we're going to be speaking about a spiritual diet. So, Barakallah Fiqh, see you next week.